Greetings, and welcome to episode 28 of the Loaded Cart Podcast. Join Paul, Daniel, and their occasional guests as they talk about the things that they love and hate about video games and the gaming industry. In this week's episode, we talk about the Sony PlayStation. Holy giant stinger, Batman. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome once again to the Loaded Card Podcast. It's time once again to look back on a piece of gaming history. That's right, we're talking about another console retrospective. This time it's the PlayStation. I am Paul of What's Well Playing Today, and with me as always is Dan, otherwise known as Chop the Viking. What's up, buddy? Hey, how's it going? Uh, not too bad. Half in the bag, so this ought to be fun. <laughs> it's always off to a good start when you're already halfway there, right? Yeah, yeah, well, fair enough. Yeah, it's been a long day. I've been up since 5 o'clock. I drove over to Sandusky, which is about a 90-minute drive from Cleveland. Oh, Came home right after we're the uh, uh, second last... Thing, uh, presentation of the day because the last one none of the ones interested me too much i'll be over there again tomorrow for the whole day so that'll be fun that's right it's code mesh time Woohoo! yeah i like code mesh what have you been doing today was kind of a weird day because i went we have had this weird situation going on where we have like a bunch of feral cats living basically on our front porch that's right i remember uh remember your and wife mentioning that yeah and we're slowly working on basically catching them all and getting them fixed and then re-releasing them because you know they keep mice and shit away sure like we don't have any mice or you know moles or rodents or anything in our yard it's it's pretty awesome yeah they've been and apparently this is the mom's like third litter of kittens in the neighborhood so Damn. we're we're the only ones that are actually you know willing to do something about it because <laughs> mostly because i think like i called around asking for information and most of the information i could find was uh essentially that it would cost us about 25 dollars per cat to get them fixed which uh, not too bad yeah i mean it's a lot better than the like 80 to 100 dollars it costs to get one if it's a pet done. yeah yeah i mean uh, how many cats are there uh a mom and four kittens uh okay well so, that's not bad yeah but I think that's the reason why most people haven't even bothered trying to do anything because one, there's no groups in Cobb County because it's illegal for them to exist in Cobb County that will trap and neuter and release cats because it's, yeah, that's so, a weird law. It's, it's a law from the seventies, but it's funny okay. because there are groups in Atlanta that are outside of Cobb County that totally can come into Cobb County and do it because they're not Cobb County businesses. Fair enough. Okay. Yeah, it's, it's, just this weird weird thing archaic um, laws are kind of amazing so we've been working with one of those trap neuter release programs in atlanta and they will hook us up with free spaying and neutering, spaying and neutering as yeah. long as we do all the work basically fair enough and i mean that's like, not too bad sure we'll do it why not and so the last round of traps was a couple of weeks ago and we caught mom. So we caught the mama cat Ooh, okay. and got her fixed and she's back with the kittens. Um, and today I went to go pick up some traps from my mother-in-law who works with this rescue group and sure. dropped my daughter off at grandma's house for a little while and came back. Had and fun trapping kittens. <laughs> well, 
we just put the traps out a little while ago because basically we try and lure them in at kind of the same time every night to eat. Right, right. And so that's when you put the traps out, like when you know they're there. Yeah, and, have some uh, snacks, but trap them a little bit. It's fine. Yeah, it may have to wait till tomorrow before it gets anyone. Yeah, well. But, and uh, while I had some time alone, I was playing some Star Wars, The Old Republic. Oh, oh. Because I finally got into those endgame things, and they're actually really good, but it's really weird because it basically turns an MMO into like a completely single-player game. Yeah. Because there's, there's no one else around. It's all instanced, and like yeah. it's super, super story-heavy in this this new part. And like, yeah, the, you go through, see, I think it was eight chapters before I got to a part where I was in a place that was like a town that other players show up in. Sure. But before that, I saw two other players in wilderness areas. Okay. Okay. And those eight chapters took like four or five hours to play through. Huh. Fair enough. Yeah. But it's all, it's really cool because like the way the chapters in the story works, like it, they actually do a really good job with it. Cause I always find myself at the end going like, God damn it. I really want to play this chapter, but I need to go to sleep. Cause it's like <laughs> one, one in the morning. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But yeah, yeah that's, that's what I've been playing lately because it's been really fucking good. And uh, right. also been starting to relearn all of the stuff that I've missed in Elite Dangerous because that's what kind of game Elite Dangerous is. Yeah, yeah. I I, I, I want to get back into it, but at the same time, I look at the, the flight stick, look at all the controls and just eh, maybe tomorrow. Yeah, I, I know as soon as I like play, like it'll probably take about half an hour and I'll be like, oh yeah, I remember all this crap now. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah, but... All right. Hey, I've been dicking around with uh, Final Fantasy Tactics, uh, the War of the Lion version, which is on PS Vita and uh, PSP. Uh, so I, I basically got that from the PlayStation Store. I've been playing that. And also been playing our next uh, Game Corner game a little bit, uh, Pokemon Uranium, while I've got some time in between... Uh, sessions um we'll talk about that uh next next time (laughs) it's it is rough that's all that's all i'm gonna say is is, it is it is a tough game it definitely for a challenge yeah it definitely takes a a play like a page from the uh the old pokemon playbook where it's like it's it just throws you into it man and you you fight and uh it it is it does not pull punches no it does not um (laughs) Uh, other than that, I just got done literally right before we started doing this podcast. I was playing uh, playing some more Overwatch with a bunch of friends. If you ever get into that, I have a huge group of people we play with and split up in, into several groups. Nice. Uh, beyond that, oh, uh, Bloodborne with uh, Drew of Hobson Heroes fame. I nice. also watched uh, Bailey play her first uh, uh, Bloodborne stream. If you can check out their, out their, uh, their Twitch channel, you can see Bailey play the first time she's ever played a Soulsborne game. Went pretty well. She did pretty good. Yeah, she had you coaching her, and and I was helping her out in the comments. But she did pretty good. Yeah, I, I heard her saying she was going to play, and and Drew mentioning possibly having you join in and some other yeah, stuff. Yeah, I, I'm going really to funny. the next time she plays, I'll be happy to do so. I'm pretty sure if you get, you can check that out at their uh, their archives over at twitch.tv slash Hops and Heroes. Check her out. She did pretty well. I was I was pretty impressed. Good job, Bailey. Nice. I don't know of anything interesting going on in the uh, gaming news right now, other than the uh, Switch was announced uh, today as we record this at some point, and like all of the official information, and I haven't actually looked at any of it. Yeah, yeah. And there's some some of that shenanigans going on in uh, Elite Dangerous that you're telling me about. 
Oh yeah. I thought I guess I can talk about that because yeah, go yeah. for it. So there's been some crazy shit in Elite Dangerous lately. Two big ones. So one of them is alien contact happened for the first time. <laughs> like there's yeah. been there's been some like weird stuff going on for a while of like weird alien artifacts that people have been able to find randomly throughout the game and then like some really really cool shit happens with them like pulling them into your cargo hold like will power your ship down and like cause some crazy stuff to happen and if you sell it at a space station on the black market it'll power off the entire space station nice nice (laughs) and like just all this crazy shit will happen and much in line with this and i'll show you a video like i'll I'll link a video on the show notes because it's there it's a really cool thing to see is like when you're jumping between star systems yeah um it's normally safe like there's it, nothing ever happens you can't get pulled out of hyper hyperspace or what i call it witch space i think uh is the official name for it but okay. like you know hyperspace you can't get pulled out of super yeah. cruise yeah. you can get pulled out of but right. like when you jump to the big time ftl yep. like uh you, you cannot get pulled out of it. Right. Um, and so people will be in FTL crews and like something goes wrong and they get dropped out of witch space completely and their ship shuts down. Okay. And then a weird giant alien craft comes and flies by them, scans their ship and turns around and flies off. And the, the scenario is done in like just the right like right amount of timing and stuff that like the player gets to power their ship back on uh can actually chase down the ship and scan it before it jumps out of the system and then okay. it leaves behind a like a, you know a hyperspace wake and you can scan that too and you get like a lot of money for uh that those instrument readings when you return to a station and sell them right okay I've got one more piece of news before we get into the main topic. Apparently, Epic Games and Microsoft are being sued for Gears of War by a man who says he's the real Coltrane. Yeah, apparently, Lenwood Hamilton, a former football player and wrestler from Pennsylvania, is suing Epic Games and Microsoft because he believes that they used his likeness and imitated his voice to create Gears of War's Coltrane. Nice. Gears of War came out in 2006. Okay. It is now 2017. He's just now bringing this to lawsuit. He probably just now thinks he has enough evidence to do something. I don't know. I guess. Apparently, uh, Hamilton says a forensic expert examined Cole's voice to his and says that they are indistinguishable. That is a quote. Yeah. Uh, Um, A forensic voice expert. Yeah, I guess. It's not just Epic and Microsoft on the line, though, because Coltrane's voice actor, Lester Spite, is also being sued. Hamilton claims he worked with him at his wrestling company, and they used to discuss creating a video game character together. He's suing for sales and profits. <laughs> That's actually pretty awesome. I guess. That's kind of funny. I, I, I just, come on, dude. Come on. Just, come on. Yeah. Anyway, uh, gaming news aside, don't think we have any cleanup to do. So oh. on to actually, the PlayStation. I got a quick bit of gaming news. Shoot. Torment Tides of Numenera has Ooh. gone gold. No shit. It's, when is it getting released? Uh, it is on track for its planned release on February 28th. But no shit. It has been, In Exile has announced that it is officially gold, which means it is feature complete for its uh, yeah. release. The, For those of you who don't know, since we're talking gaming history, the term gone gold 
it's an old, old game publishing term. And basically it meant that the game is complete and the they would basically burn a CD of the actual finished game and take the CD to the company that was going to be pressing the actual physical copies of the disc. Mm-hmm. And if you remember, really old CD-ROMs like kind of were a little goldish. And uh, and then I think also the the actual pressing disc that's used in the master, like the the actual process is gold also, I think. But mm-hmm. yeah, the the idea is that it, it meant that the game was done and being shipped to be pressed. And yep. uh, yeah, so that's where that term comes from, which is kind of cool. But yeah, so if you don't know, that game is the quasi... Yeah, it, it, it is the successor to Planescape's Torment. Yeah, which if you don't remember that, uh, you played the Nameless One uh, on his uh, quest to regain his memories through uh, the Planes of Torment, I believe. Was it? Yeah, it's Planescape's. Yeah. It's yeah. Uh, a D&D campaign setting for... Yeah, uh, excellent game. Um, you can get it on good old games. Still runs pretty well. I don't know if I'm going to play it because I, I tried playing through Pillars of Eternity and it just fizzled out. Well, this is by uh, an exile. These are the people that did Wastelands Two. I know, but it's it's I fizzled out on Wasteland Two as well. Yeah, I, I just it got to a point where I was just like, eh, I got other shit to do. I'm sorry. I, I've enjoyed what I've played, but I'm not going to do any further. Okay, that's just me. I'm not saying don't play it. I'm just saying I don't know if I will. No, I, no problem. I just that's just seemed like an interesting thing to mention. Since Absolutely, it'll definitely be news even by the time. Uh, this goes to our, our thing in, in a yeah. little while. Yeah. All right, folks. Are you ready? It's time to uh, delve in to the PlayStation. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So I think we all know about the history of the PlayStation, but uh, why don't you enlighten us on how the PlayStation came to be? We talked about this during the Super NES episode because this is, this is where this kind of lines up with. And it is kind of... A very infamous story now where Sony and Nintendo were working together for a CD-ROM expansion for the Super NES. Something happened. No one is ever going to admit what happened. But they got in a big fight and basically scrapped it. And this was... I don't know if this was before or after the Philips CDI. Go listen to our Super they were NES actually, episode. And, uh, they, were, they were actually doing like two different prototypes. One yeah. with Philips and one with Sony. Yeah, but I, I don't remember which one, you know, bombed out first. Like, right, right. One definitely happened before the other one, but yeah, I don't know. But yeah, so they went their separate ways and like Sony had like all this tech lying around and they tried to figure out what they were going to do with it. And originally, they, I think they talked to Sega about making a, a console using this stuff. And then... I think there was a giant lawsuit that got filed and said that so Sony was just like, you know what? Screw it. We're just going to, we'll do our own thing. Fuck y'all. We're out. Yeah. And, uh, that's the PlayStation was born. It's, it's safe to say the PlayStation was successful. I, I don't know, man. I mean, are you sure four successors to it? Can you really call that a success? Well, so here's why I call it a success. The, the PlayStation, the original PlayStation, sold 102 million consoles. And to put this in perspective, the NES Come sold... On, it's not that much. 62 million consoles. Okay, that might be a lot. And the Super NES sold 
49 million consoles. So the PlayStation almost outsold both combined. Combined. Like it did. It outsold yeah. both of them combined. Yep. By by a couple million. That's like, kind of crazy. That's nuts. Yeah. And then even more nuts, which we'll get to in a little bit, there were nearly 8,000 games developed for the console, which is yeah. why one of the reasons why this and the PlayStation 2 were the reasons why uh, Sony had a reputation that it would basically like, you know, you had to wade through a thousand shitty games to find like two good ones. Because, yeah, there's there's a lot of games. Like, Put that into perspective uh, for, you said how many? A thousand? Eight thousand. Eight thousand. Put that into perspective 8, for the original <laughs> NES, which is known for being extremely prolific with its licensed titles. A total of 713. Yeah. That's it. Yeah, and I think we said the Super NES was around a thousand, maybe 1,400 at most. Yeah, like, I mean, there were a lot of PlayStation games. Like a lot yeah. of PlayStation games. Yep. Quite a bit. <laughs> anyway. So, for all of these games, Paul, and all of the series that exist yep. Yep. on the PlayStation, what was your favorite game? Or series of games. I had to narrow it down to two. Two games, period. Not two series of games, two games. So I did that much. I'm, I'm right there with you. I could okay. I could narrow it down to two, but I have a hard time. And it basically it depends on the day of which one I'll pick. Yeah, it's it's really difficult. If, it depends on if I'm playing which one. and Because <laughs> currently it's one game, but like if you asked me two weeks ago, it would have been the other one. Final Fantasy Tactics and Silent Hill. Okay. So tell us a little bit about Final Fantasy Tactics and why you love it. Okay. Uh, Final Fantasy Tactics is a strategy RPG based in the world of Ivalice in Final Fantasy's engine. So long story short, you play as Ramza Belov. I, I, I know I'm butchering his name because I know that Tyler and Dave are going to kick my ass for saying it wrong. Because <laughs> if you want to hear more, way more in-depth about Final Fantasy Tactics, Tyler and Dave did a review over on Tadpug. Go listen to it. It's in two parts. It's amazing. We will link it in the show notes for you. You bet. They, they do go into heavy spoiler territory, though. So if you haven't played the game in it but intend to play it, uh, you might not want to listen to it. But I highly encourage you to do so because they're just entertaining as fuck. Long story short, you are playing Ramza and you are trying to get to the bottom of a very interesting mystery surrounding the 13 Zodiac Stones. Uh, they are also, there's also a, a big lore history with the Zodiac Braves and these people behind the scenes of this giant War of the Lions, um, which is the version I'm playing, which was a remaster of Final Fantasy Tactics. It was released later, which does a huge, huge, huge refresh of all of the dialogue, all of the the story. It does a much better way of translating it from Japanese. It's great. If you get to play one of them, don't play the original, play War of the Lions. Anyway, uh, you had if you recall the job system from Final Fantasy V, this does it way better because you slowly unlock new jobs as you continue on down your path. You can even unlock the Onion Knight if you're if you really want to do something silly. If you're familiar with the Freelancer, the Freelancer gets more and more powerful the more jobs you master. Same same, same thing with the Onion Knight. Uh, what does does the Onion Knight have a name in Tactics? Literally called the Onion Knight. Okay, that's it, it's a job class. It's not a person. Uh, there's a, in one of my 
favorite games that we'll talk about in a minute. There's a character who is called Duel the Onion Knight. I think it's also a Square game, right? Yes. Okay. That that would make sense. I think this. I think that game also came after Tactics, which would make a lot more sense too. Anyway, um, Tactics is a lot like uh, we 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 discussed it before, but it's a lot like Fire Emblem, Advance Wars. If you're familiar with a, it's not- like. Ogre Tactics is the most similar game to it, I think. It's that I, I style guess. of weird 3D. Because it's Fire Emblem. The games that I remember of Fire Emblem were not 3D. They were. No, they, I'm not talking about the, the graphical style. I'm talking about gameplay style. Because they're they, they are the most similar to that. But they're, it's an isometric viewpoint. So if you're familiar with the old Diablo game, same viewpoint in that you you are kind of facing with the cardinal directions in diagonal as opposed to straight on. I, I can't. I can't encompass the entire thing into a single podcast without taking up the entire podcast. My point is, go play it. It's amazing. It is pans down my favorite game on PlayStation and definitely my favorite game on PS Vita. The other one, Silent Hill, probably the best survival horror game on the console. That's mm. just my opinion. It, it it takes place in the town of Silent Hill. You play Harry Mason, who's trying to find his daughter. Great game, fantastic story. Uh, the voice acting is cheesy, but that was just with all of the games back then, because voice acting was not put at a premium like it was with uh, animated series stuff like that. Uh, it is just an epic tale. Uh, you can complete the game probably in about eight to ten hours, but it is just a lot of fun. Takes you through a lot of venues of Silent Hill. In fact, uh, a little while back, if you recall on the podcast, I mentioned that I was going through an, the entire Silent Hill franchise I could get my hands on and actually play, and ended up completing all of them except for Silent Hill 2, because I just never got around to it, unfortunately. I, I still want to finish that game. I've never beaten that game. I want to I want to finish it because it's awesome, and it's fantastic, and my favorite of the franchise, but I've still never beaten it. Okay. You can do you got it. two games. I can. <laughs> I can, just not now. You've got two games. Tell me about so, it. so the first of these two games should be probably absolutely no surprise to people because it is Legend of Mana. It is um, fairly obvious. Yes. It is the third, no, fourth Saiken Densetsu game, technically. But it's not Secret of Mana or like Saiken Densetsu 4. It, no. Because the name, the, uh, once it got brought to America, they went all crazy with names. So... Legend of Mana is a weird game. Like, it's hard to explain. So it's a, it is kind of, instead of be it's kind instead of being a Zelda game, kind of like the Secret of Mana was. Because Secret of Mana is kind of a Zelda style game, um, but this is more hand drawn. Like, every, every, all the backgrounds, all the levels look hand painted. Like, it is a just beautiful, beautiful game. Um, it has that same kind of weird combat system where you, you know, can charge up attacks instead of just running around and smacking things with your weapon like you do in Zelda. Mm-hmm. Um, it has like a, a charging combo system thing that's a little weird. But what made okay. this game weird was like you instantly healed back to full after every fight. That is weird. It's it's hard to explain, but it makes sense when you're playing. But it's mm-hmm. it's definitely a weird thing. Like you fight something and you kill it and just boom, you're back to full health. And then you go to the next fight and it starts up and then boom, you're back to full health. And it's a very weird mechanic, but it it works. That does sound strange. But so the weirdest part of this game is 
you are rebuilding the world and it's i don't remember how well it's explained in the game because it's been a while since i've played it but so you unlock these seeds and things you can plant on the this world map and each one unlocks a new level which is a new okay. zone to play in and each zone has its own little mini story okay uh, have you ever heard of the dark cloud series uh no i have not it sounds remarkably similar that's okay Good parallel. Please continue. I just wanted to draw that because it just it's because you're doing very similar things, crafting the world. Okay. Anyway, but continue. Yeah. So the thing is, is there are four different storylines that will beat the game that will give you different endings in this game. Hmm. And when once you beat the game, you basically can game plus start over and play through again and again and again and again. And it's it, the stories are all really really good and there's only a certain point where there's like a point of no return on each storyline uh and you basically know that like if i play another mission in this storyline this game is over like i'm gonna beat the game but yeah so it's just it has a bunch of really cool characters one of them is duel the onion knight who's like <laughs> he's the npc that teaches you all of the stuff in the game which is kind okay. of funny that's um, cool there's also a really cool character in the game that's uh your pet cactus and okay it, it, he's in your house and that's how you save the game is you talk to the pet cactus okay why the fuck and not because you're telling him what you did that day yeah i've done i've done stupider things to save yeah. a game why not like, like typewriters yep anyway um let's but, let's not mock my favorites but the funny part is so you talk to the cactus and basically tell him what went on and you you leave to go back out on your adventure or whatever and the cactus will literally like get up out of its pot run over to the wall write in a little book and then go back and get back in his pot and like if you go back in you can actually read his diary where he talks about all the cool stories you tell him of all the shit you've done does it go full on cactuar almost but like yeah like i think that's might be where that came from i really maybe. don't know maybe i mean it came before uh uh it was Final from seven 99 is when the game came oh out, maybe so. not because i think seven was in 97 i don't know i don't remember to be honest with you i don't uh, remember yeah it's but yeah it's so that important it's really fun it, it's a really beautiful game uh it can get ridiculously hard like absolutely brutally hard on the higher difficulty levels which makes you really really happy that you heal after every fight <laughs> you can imagine <laughs> They came out around the same, well, no, well, nine, seven came out in seven. yeah, nine, 97, around the same yeah. time uh, Tactics did. Yep. Tactics is way better. Yeah. Tactics came about six months later, but yeah. Seriously, yeah. Tactics is way better. I'm, I'm going on record saying that Tactics is way better than Final Fantasy VII. Yes, I will, I will agree with that one. Anyway. So another weird game that I think was also Square. Um, really I think sure. it was actually. So Square published it. Um, uh, and partly developed it. Brigsalolite. Yeah. Developed it. But okay. So the first game was a little weird, but really cool. Uh, yep. And the first game was called Bushido Blade. And mm -hmm. that's not the one that's my favorite game. But it had some really cool stuff in it. Like the it idea did. was that it was a fighting game that involved weapons where you could actually win a fight with a single hit. Mm -hmm. because you, you're hitting someone with a sword of course they're gonna die like yeah like that was the whole point Bushido they're blade, not wearing armor yeah Bushido blade 2 
was so much better than the original one. The original one had some weird issues where sometimes you could like, you know, randomly catch someone and like chop their toe off and they instantly die. And it's like, okay. There's still some overpowered stuff in Bushido Blade 2. Like there's a guy with a gun for his ranged attack. And if you, you know, shoot someone with a gun, they basically instantly die. Mm -hmm. And we got ridiculously good at this game there was a, a friend of mine and i who used to play this game all the time and some of our matches would go on for 10 to 15 minutes or longer without someone dying because we were so good at like reversing each other's moves because it's kind of like a rock paper scissors kind of a thing mm -hmm. with the blocking there's like yep. different like three different you can go attacks high middle or low yeah, yeah, and and we were so good at anticipating each other's attacks that we could like you know just chain chain block things and I I would love to see a, someone revisit the idea of this game but make it like in Star Wars with lightsabers because that would be like really fucking cool. That would be interesting. Yeah, because it would just make a really cool visual. But yeah, yeah Bushido Blade Two was awesome. It was also really funny that like it actually has moves. Most people never learn. Mm -hmm. that the game actually has moves like street fighter there there yeah. is shit. like you can actually do crazy custom moves and like that's how we used to fuck with our friends like me and uh my friend who played all the time in high school like when when we were we were fighting other people who didn't play anywhere near as much as us like we would showboat like and mm -hmm. one of the characters that i always used to showboat was really funny because he did uh i think it's called yado uh is the actual japanese word for it but mm -hmm. it is a it is a fighting style where you draw your sword and attack with it at the same time. So, yep. like, as my showboating, like, the first thing I would do in the fight was immediately put my sword away and just stand there and, like, you know, do the whole anime thing of, like, just staring the dude down with, you know, just holding onto your sword at your side. And, like, they would come up and I would just sidestep them a whole bunch and then just, Quah! and, like, kill them in one hit. And they'd be like, I fucking hate you, dude. <laughs> Fair but enough. But there were really, really funny times where like we would people would show up at his house for like gaming on the weekends and they would come in and we'd be playing Bushido Blade 2 and they'd be like, So who's winning? And we'd be like, I don't remember. Yes. <laughs> and then and then we'd finish the fight and it would show like the scoreboard, the win-loss record, and it would be like 48 to 46. And they'd be like, How long have you two been sitting here? Like, I don't yes. know, two, two or three hours. <laughs> Like there was a, a couple of really cool characters eventually that you unlocked that were like Kabuki guys that basically don't have all the weird quirks of everyone else and like their projectile weapon can't kill people. Like it is a if they throw a fan at someone and it just like kind of goes makes them go uh and then you can like you know kill the shit out of them if you attack them with like your sword while they're kind of what the hell just hit me in the face. Right. And yeah, I was really good at fighting dirty in that game because you can like hmm. there's a move you can do. Why that does that not surprise me? There's a movie you can do that'll like reach down and throw sand up in the person's face and like pocket sand. All, yeah, and that's always really fun. Well, it's not even pocket sand, it's just on the ground, just right off the ground and into someone's face and then murder them. Anyway. Just so much fun stuff in that game. And it was such a cool game. Just the idea that like any hit could instantly end a fight. So you know you're screwed. And one of the jokes that we used to have is like any attack that you did that initiated a spin like any kind of long spinning animation is usually instant death. The person who accidentally does the spin move usually dies. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, so it doesn't surprise me at all. Yeah, don't do the spinning moves. Cause, cause I remember, I remember watching this one uh, 
lightsaber duel that a couple of people on YouTube put together, uh, Darth Maul against a couple of Jedi. And I'm like, there's way too much spinning here. Darth Maul, just kill him. I mean, yeah. that's just dead, dead. I mean, poke, poke, you're dead. Yep. It's it's a lightsaber. What are you going to fucking do? Yep. Anyway. Okay. <laughs> Let's get this show on the road. The good yeah. stuff. Uh, we've talked about our favorite game, our favorite game, series of games, that kind of thing. Let's talk about the games that, the great games on, on this list that just kind of fell short of being the favorite, but yeah. maybe not too stuff, short. Yeah, stuff that's like really cool that we recommend checking out if you're going to check out stuff from this game, <clears throat> like from this console, but not good enough to covet our uh, our you know super amazing this is the best game i've ever played right system spot yeah All so right. for, for me i'm gonna start with tekken 3 because tekken, tekken 3 3 specifically tekken 3 okay that was the, the first tekken, that was that was the first tekken game i started playing okay and it was a lot of fun and like my some of my friends in high school played it and like it was just a good fun game but then Tekken 3 is also cool and funny in my opinion because it has a special game mode that's called Tekken Ball that I had a lot of fun with. Okay. And it's this weird alternate fighting game where it basically puts you on like this weird little volleyball court kind of a thing, right? Mm -hmm. And you're smacking a volleyball back and forth between each other and if you if the ball hits you, you you lose. You lose. Yeah, I actually remember that. And you punch and hit it back, and like mm-hmm. it go, it starts going faster and faster and faster and faster and faster. And it's it is a really really fun alternate way of playing. And I I used to love Tekken Ball, and some of my friends hated me because like I could you know we play the you know the system where the loser passes the controller to the next person kind of a thing, mm-hmm. and and mm-hmm. I could play nonstop for like almost an hour before losing (laughs) (laughs) because I got really, really good at Tekken ball. And, but you know, most of them, if we played just the fighting game would trash me the majority of the time because they've been playing since Tekken one and like, you know, knew all of Hihachi's 30 hit combos and shit. And it was like, fuck that old man. (laughs) Yep. I actually spent almost two hours one day learning like in practice mode, learning with Jin how to reverse all of Hihachi's combos because I was sick of losing to my friend who played Hihachi all the time. I fucking hated Hihachi. Yeah. So and like Gordo all the way. Yeah. And uh yeah, one of my friends actually accused me once of like playing Eddie Gordo because he was so easy and you could just button mash with him and win. <laughs> so I beat them perfect one game and i told them exactly what move i was going to do every single like before i did it i'd be like i'm gonna do a handstand and then i'm gonna spin around on my head and then i'm gonna flip over and then i'm gonna punch you in the face and then i'm gonna sweep you and then i'm gonna kick you up in the air and and like and and it's after i said it i would do the move and then i would say the next move and do the move and he just sat there was like what the shit like I'm like, no, I, yeah, I don't button mash, bitch. <laughs> I just beat you like legit. <laughs> and I perfected you like 100% combo. <laughs> yeah, well, what are you going to do? So yeah, Tekken was always fun. It was one of those games where you could, you know, trash talk a little bit. Um, I was never, never as good at that as I was at Bushido Blade 2, but that's because that's fair. they're totally different games. Yeah, well, yeah, they really are. I mean, tech ends a beat em up, whereas Bushido Blade is more of a, a game of skill yeah. and strategy. Well, and the Tekken games and Street Fighter games, like they are definitely a game of skill. Like if you, if well, you well, let me let me put it this way: they're they're 
Bushido Blade's more more about the strategy rather than yeah. the the actual fighting skill. Yeah, but yeah, Tekken Three was fun. Probably the highlight of my playing of Tekken Three was the day I beat my uh, my friend who played Hihachi. Uh, I beat them an entire entire match, never using a single offensive move. I did it 100% with counters. Okay. Wow. Fair <laughs> and enough. They were, and they were like, oh, crap. That was their moment of like, uh-oh. I can no longer just pull Hihachi out and win whenever <laughs> I want anymore because this dude just fucked up my world using only reversal moves. That's fantastic. That's <laughs> with great. Jin. Jin only has like a handful Good. of reversal moves, but like okay it was, it was fun it made me laugh all right i got one on the list now and right. i think i think everybody can agree that this is if not the best castlevania then at least in the top two castlevania symphony of the night it is an amazing game you play as uh, dracula's son alucard because they really don't know how to have any sort of originality or yes I mean, let's be honest here, though. That was from the 1920s when they had uh, Son of Dracula with that original film that came out with that, the name Alucard. So that is canon. Great game. Fantastic. You're basically playing as Alucard, trying to oust your father from the the human realm because you've taken up with the humans. Uh, you have to fight death, which is pretty cool. Um, it's just you, you fight all kinds of monsters. Uh, it's a Castlevania game. It is the first thing that gave birth to the Metroidvania series because it is a where the fuck do I go kind of game. You explore the castle. It's very much laid out like Metroid. It's just a fantastic game. It really is because yeah. I, I think the best part about it was the fact that you you actually found and equipped gear. Like it, You didn't do that in the other Castlevania games. Sure, you may have found uh, a new whip upgrade in Simon's Quest that you have to unlock with purchasing it, but this is where you just literally find and equip new gear. You purchase it from the librarian. Just fantastic game. Just awesome. If, if you want a good action RPG and just want to sit and explore uh, with the platformer, Castlevania Symphony of the Night is, is, your, is your bag. The only problem I have with it is the loading times. It took forever. Yeah, like, basically, when people talk about Castlevania, this is usually the game, I think, that most people say is the pinnacle of Castlevania games. Yeah, uh, that or Super Castlevania 4 are the two that I really hear that are the two best. I mean, the new ones, uh, the handheld versions are pretty good, but they're, they're not Symphony of the Night. The... the um, the new 3D ones are, they're not that great. I mean, the 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 most recent one, not uh, not Lords of Shadow 2, but Castlevania Lords of Shadow, it wasn't too bad. It was just, you know, God of War in Castlevania, which was, it was okay. It wasn't, it wasn't the best game in the world, but it wasn't too bad either. Mm -hmm. But this one was just flat out amazing. What's up, uh, what's up next for you? Let's see. I bet I know which one. I'm going to go with... Again, one of my other favorite game franchises ever in the history of other uh, Road Rash. Yeah. And there were three Road Rash games for the PlayStation. There was Road Rash, which was a remake of the original Genesis games, which mm -hmm. is the one that I'm listing. But the whole series, I, I like the whole series. So whatever. People, people don't like the PlayStation ones very much for some reason. I don't know. But whatever. They were good. Shut up. <laughs> they were too fast and clunky for me. 
Yeah. The original Road Rash, like the remake of Road Rash, had probably one of the best soundtracks like ever. Like a bunch of weird alt rock and metal stuff had a bunch of Soundgarden songs on it, which was kind of funny. Some, I think, some Allison Chains, and then uh, one of the, my my favorite bands that I know of because of this game was a ba- uh, Irish band called Therapy that uh, had a couple of songs on it. One was uh, Teeth Grinder, some good, good, good stuff. But like, it was a very, very good racing soundtrack. But they also had uh, Road Rush 3D and Road Rush Jailbreak were the other two that came out on PlayStation. Nice. And those, I think, were the I didn't last. Play those. The last ones, unfortunately. Road yeah. Rush Jailbreak was weird because it was super cartoony. Oh? Like, are we talking cel-shaded cartoony? Uh, almost, yeah. Hmm. All right. Fair enough. I, I actually didn't play... I played the original, like, the, the, the original remake that came out on PlayStation, and it just seemed far, far too fast. It might have been Road Rush 3D I played. I don't remember. But it was just... It was way, way too quick for me. Like, I couldn't even react when someone came up and attacked me. It might, have been, it might have been Road Rush 3D. Maybe. Because I, I, I'm I'm fully cognizant of the fact that I may have been Road Rush 3D. Like, I, I could be wrong that it wasn't the original Road Rush that came out on mm-hmm. PlayStation, but I don't know. Anyway. What is, what's up next for you? I gotta go with... Man. The reason I bought a PlayStation 4, which was the... <laughs> <laughs> the Crash Bandicoot franchise, Crash Bandicoot 1 through 3, are getting an HD remake that are, that's coming out on PlayStation 4. And I am pretty excited about it. And that's actually the reason I purchased it. Even the, like it, was, it was, wasn't the only reason, but it was the one that's like the straw that broke the camel's back for me. Crash Bandicoot is a great platformer. It is the basically the original um, uh, mascot of PlayStation, I guess. I mean, PlayStation did have a mascot that crashed and burned fairly quickly, but uh, Crash Bandicoot, it was it was my jam back in the day. It was, it was the first game I had on PlayStation. And uh, fun fact, if you are familiar with uh, Uncharted, the same guys who did Uncharted, Naughty Dog, did Crash Bandicoot. Oh, nice. Yeah, so if you liked Uncharted, probably it's not the same thing, but you should try it anyway. <laughs> Pro- probably not. <laughs> I mean, Crash doesn't get a gun. He gets a voodoo mask. Same thing, right? Yeah, it's fine. All right, next up for you. So this was, I believe, one of the launch titles for the PlayStation. Okay. Or or at least it was very, very, very early on in the PlayStation's lifetime. And it was one of the first fighting games on the system. And it's sad because I think it only got three games in the series. And I know this one. Died off the face of the planet. But Battle Arena Toshinden... Why do I know this one? Because it had a crazy ass commercial. But yeah, it was a kind of Tekken-y kind of virtual fighter style right. fighting game. Okay. It was a, a 3D fighter, basically. But yeah, it was it was just one of the first fighting games to come out and it had like big blocky boobs and it was hilarious. Fair enough. I mean, I can't really argue with that. <laughs> But that was like one of the things that they like did is they had like this crazy quasi dominatrix character who was like on the cover of, okay. the, second, of the second game. And like, it's just funny. And okay. I, I think that's what the commercials involved. And it was it was so hilariously bad. I guess. Yeah, I, I, I'm not familiar with it, unfortunately. I don't think I ever I don't think I ever actually played it or owned it. So, huh. I mean, 
there were eight thousand plus games on the fucking thing, so I can't have any of them. I can't have all of them, you know. Yeah. All right. What's up for you next? The most hated game for you, or at least the <laughs> most hated franchise, because of the tank controls. Resident uh... Evil One through Three on the original PlayStation were my jam. I played just. I can still hear the horrible, horrible voiced lines in from the original Resident Evil. Fantastic memories that I have of the game. Uh, all all three of them. Uh, Resident Evil 2 was probably the best in the series, but I still have a, a warm place in my heart for 1 and 3 as well. Uh, if you're not familiar with them, they are very similar to Silent Hill in that they are survival horror with tank controls. Fun games. Um, if you really wanted to try the granddaddies of them all, uh, Silent Hill and the Resident Evil franchise on PlayStation are pretty good. And um, if you really want to try the granddaddy of them all, Alone in the Dark, way back on DOS. <laughs> anyway, Resident Evil franchise on uh, PlayStation is definitely one of the ones that uh, j- falls just fall- just short. Almost almost there, but not quite, you know? Yep. So up next for me is, I don't know. It, it's another Square game, and it's one of the ones that's like, it's super hard to find and super niche. And really um, expensive. And yeah, it's super expensive now because it's it was so hard to find. It was yep. Ray Fencer Musashi. And it's I, I don't know how to describe it other than like <laughs> kind of a 3D platformer. It it reminds me of Spyro, except yeah. uh, with Musashi. Yeah, but it's yeah, so it, it is that like kind of Mario 64-ish running around doing stuff on platforminess, but but in Not, 3D. But yeah. And you have swords and you do crazy shit. Mm-hmm. So, it's, I mean, it's a really, again, a really good game. But yeah, it's super hard to find these days. And Yeah, and it's really expensive, if I recall correctly. I never owned a copy of it. A couple of my friends did, though. Yeah, I always rented it. Still, <laughs> it's still a fun game. Great, yep. great game. Okay, next up for me would probably be, if you are familiar with, I, th- I think this is actually also a Square game. Look at all the square games on this list. Yeah, there's there's a few of them. No, no, no. This is Capcom. This is a Capcom game. This is one yep. of the one of them actually a surprising amount of Capcom games that came out for that are RPGs. Uh, Breath of Fire Three. The only problem I had with this game and the thing that that kept it from being top of the list. Oh my god, the random encounter rate. Oh my god. Oh my god. So bad. Three steps. Four steps. Three steps, two steps, <laughs> five steps. Oh my god, I got to five steps. Every fucking few steps, you get into a random encounter. It's great for grinding, but holy shit, if you don't want to grind right that right then, it's just a pain in the ass. Yeah, great game, awesome, fantastic story, really, really lots of fun. But God, the fucking grinding. Yep. <laughs> god, the grinding. Yes. Yeah, so the next series of games this is actually a series of games which is kind of funny uh it my is. brother was a huge fan of it cool borders i do remember cool borders it is a snowboarding slash racing slash quasi tricks game like there's yeah, some I give it tricks yeah i give it yeah. tricks i mean like in the same line and we'll talk about this one in a little bit too like that it's kind of like tony hawk for snowboarding but yeah, so I mean, it was a fun little game. I, in my opinion, it eventually gets blown out of the water by the SSX series of games. Like, yeah, 
which were a lot of fun and I loved, especially because they just reminded me of Road Rash on snowboards. But, you know, little things. Yeah, um, that's fair. And were way, way over the top because, you know, they made it funnier. But yeah, Cool Borders was a fun, fun little set of games. Kind of like Wave Race was for a little while, like for the uh, N64. Like Right. Wave Race 64 was one. I think it was just after launch. Yeah. Or it might have been a launch title. I can't but remember. It was, just, which. it was just one of those, like, just that that kind of like like sweeping cruising turns, or just kind of fun for a racing game, in my opinion. I don't know. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, it made it a lot easier to actually race as opposed to just these tight corner turns kind of thing that yeah. you usually get with other games. Yeah, but yeah, th- there was three or four games that came out for the original PlayStation for in the Cool Borders franchise. Yeah. Okay. La- lots of. Lots of fertile ground there. This one's a kind of a weird one because it's while people did play it, it's kind of an unknown game on the PlayStation. Like I did you did have you do you remember this game at all? Oh yes, because my friends played the shit out of it on a different system though. I think they played it on the N sixty four. On the sixty four. Yeah, this one is Gauntlet Legends. It is, if you played Gauntlet, you know what I'm talking about. If you haven't, it is a four-player, up to four players uh, co-op. I don't want to say bullet hell, but it's kind of close. Because all you're doing is throwing your weapon. It's it's kind of almost, a I would say, like a beat-em-up, but not. Kind of? Like, yeah, because you do a lot of projectile. Like 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 Castle Crashers and Golden Axe, except... Yeah, yeah, yeah. there you go. <laughs> yeah, that's that's fair that's fair you go, in, you go in all directions instead of side to side yeah, it is up and down the road yeah it is it is one of the it is a port from the uh, arcades where they had uh, I think they had gone elections in the arcades a uh, lot really fun game uh, you're basically playing as either the warrior the valkyrie the elf or the wizard uh, trying to take down Karn I think the name was uh, the evil wizard Karn you go through uh, I think it's about seven or eight different dungeons uh, and it's obvious why this wasn't top of the list it still has a lot of fond memories in my heart though because it was just a lot of great a great way to have for a party game you just sit down with four with the other friends and just go nuts a lot of fun oh, yeah people people played the shit out of the gauntlet games like when they started remaking them because there was another one after this i think that my friend had like every character max level on <laughs> Like I mean, ridiculous amounts of play. Jesus, that's that seems. Uh, I think it was Dark Legacy, something like that. Gauntlet Dark, Dark Legacy was Dark uh, the sequel to Gauntlet Legends. Yeah, it was. It was something, something along those lines. Okay, you've got a whole slew of ones that you threw out of here, out yeah. here that uh, I'm gonna. I, I can disagree with a couple of them, but uh, okay. really specifically only one. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so the next one that I'm going to talk about is a one that's weird because I never played it, but I watched friends play it. Okay. Uh, and that's Fear Effect, which is an IDOS game, and it's it was one of the first cel-shaded games that showed up. Oh, okay. And it's now a, I remember this one. Yeah, and it, it, it's just really weird kind of like espionage action-y kind of game. And like I don't remember a terribly huge amount about it, but like I just remember the story being really cool, and you know my friends ranting and raving about how awesome of a game it was, and then like completely shitting his pants when the second game came out. Um, <laughs> but yeah, just, it's just a good, 
good game. It was it was fun to watch. Like it was very cinematic. It had like animated cutscenes and it was kind of like a little cartoon with a cell shaded video game attached, which you know was a really cool experience. So that was pretty cool. I'll definitely say if you can find it, check it out. It's worth checking out. Yeah, couldn't agree more. Just because it's like it's a unique game that kind of showed. I don't know, like what the console can do, for lack of a better term, like just kind of the potential for the gameplay medium had. Yeah, it's it's not a. It, I wouldn't call it a tech demo though. There was a no, lot no. of game to it. Yeah, 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 definitely. But like they they used their technology well with the cell shading. Okay, I got one more before the next one that you got. Okay. Area fifty one. Please tell me you remember Area fifty one. No, I do not remember. Okay, Unless do you remember about the the shooter game? Area 51. Okay, <laughs> I have a ton of fond memories of that. It is such a shit game, but it is just so fun to sit down with a friend and just go through. If you're familiar with the old arcade stand-ups of Wait, Time Crisis, Time Crisis, it's more like a Terminator. Yeah. Uh, do you remember the old Terminator stand-up where you're actually moving the 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 uh, control cross around as opposed to using a light gun? No, no. Terminator 2 Judgment Day doesn't... No? Never played that one? Aerosmith? The the Aerosmith game? I, I remember That's very similar. Okay. It's very similar control to that. And and this is the, the same way because you could control it with either the gun, the light gun, or actually controlling it with your controller. Mm-hmm. And I found the controller to be a lot better because you can move the controller around. The, the, the control cross around as opposed to actually being accurate, you could just move the control cross around. Nice. Uh, lots of fun. Uh, just it's a stupid game. It is not a <laughs> not a game that would go anywhere on anyone's it's, top favorite games for any reason of it being a good game. Just because it's stupid fun. Not winning any awards. God no, no. The only award, no. It wouldn't even win an award. No, like not even a, a dumb gag award. Nice. My next one is another Square game, and this one kind of snuck in from SquareSoft towards the end of the life of the uh, PlayStation One. Uh, and it is Front Mission 3, and it's the only Front Mission game that came out in the U.S. at this point. And again, it's a tactical RPG, so not really like Final Fantasy Tactics, but they kind of the same thing where it's like it's okay. a grid and you're, you move each unit around and do its attacks. and that, that kind Like of uh, Advanced Wars. Yeah, well, kind of, but it's mech combat. So it's like okay. big giant robots running sure. around. Who doesn't look like robots? Yeah. So it's kind of a little bit like Battletech kind of a thing. It's okay. Yeah, it was a really cool game and had a really, really huge military vibe and was just a really fun game and just kind of came out of nowhere because you know who the fuck has heard of front mission in the US because we don't get Japanese games in the US at that point in time at least. And then yeah, it was just it was a good game. It was fun. Sweet. Still own it somewhere. I'm sure. (laughs) I think it's in Virginia, like a lot of my older games. Fair enough. The next one I'm putting on the list kind of because of my brother, because he got super into these games and they were really, really fun. And I think they spawned Mario Golf. Like Mario sports games would not exist if it were not for this game, I think. And it's called Hot Shots Golf. Okay. And there were two of them on the original PlayStation and then there have been more since, but they're very, very cartoony golf games, like super cartoony golf games, but they were really fun. And really, really well balanced, like really well tuned. And they were just, you know, the you hit a button, it starts the power meter for your shot. You hit the button again, it hits the ball. Like super simple mechanics. And uh, yeah, they were just, it was a lot, just fun playing, just bullshitting with the game. Fair enough. 
And uh, so I'll keep going until you stop him. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So this next pair of games is absolutely fucking bizarre and are really awesome. And they're more fun for me because I've always been a giant fan of music, which sure. is what makes them really interesting. So, and they took advantage of a very weird thing that most people didn't know that your PlayStation was capable of doing. Okay. So the game is called Monster Rancher, and its sequel was Monster Rancher 2. So what a lot of people didn't know you could do with your PlayStation is once a game was loaded and you were playing, you could open the thing up and take the disc out mm -hmm. and put another disc in and do something mm -hmm. else. Like, And the other game that took advantage of this was Ridge Racer, the original Ridge Racer game. Okay. Because what would happen is when you're racing on a track, it would play a song off of the disc. Because it okay. had, you know how like a data CD, it'll have the sure, data sure. on track one and then songs and the on the other all, yeah. yeah, the rest of the just regular tracks. So that's what Ridge Racer did. But with Ridge Racer, what you could do is you could actually take it out and put another CD in and it'll play that CD's music while you're playing Ridge Racer, while you're driving around on the track. Nice. Fucking awesome. People, Most people never knew that they could do this with their PlayStation. So what Monster Rancher would do is you could hatch monster eggs and the way that you hatched monster eggs is it would prompt you to put a disc in your playstation okay you could put games you could put cd like just any cd media you couldn't put dvds dvds don't work because it, sure. it can't read them right but in you know if you were in japan vcds could because they're on a cd like sure. it'll, it just it basically reads the data track on the CD and generates a monster from the game's table based on the CDs. I don't have many CDs anymore. I don't think I could do that anymore. But the funny part was, is people, there were hidden things in the game. Like there was a special, I think there was a special monster in the game that you could basically only get from like a Mariah Carey Christmas CD, which is kind of hilarious. <laughs> And it was like a Christmas themed version of one of the monsters. But like, that was the thing is like, you had no idea what the fuck you were going to get. So like when you're someone like me who had at the time, probably two or 300 CDs, <laughs> like it was just like, let's, let's see what all these fuckers get. And like, yeah. And then the fun part of the game, other than that was that you have these monsters and, it's called Monster Rancher for a reason. You train them up and literally fight in an arena with them. So it's kind of like a Pokemon game, except you have more control over them. Like you, you do the attacking and you move, you change ranges so you could stay out of range of the, the other person's attacks and stuff. And I don't know. It was just, it was a fun game. And the, the whole CD thing made it hilarious. And you were laughing at something. So I'm hoping you just looked something up about this game. I did. It is the Mariah Carey Christmas CD. You get Santa. <laughs> i'm not like stuff like that sticks out about this game you like, can also get george carlin's parental advisory george carlin's back in town to get shell and lexus from that jesus christ there were people would literally just and oh, oh. i had a couple of friends who played the game too and it was it would be one of those things where like if we scanned a cd and it gave us a really crazy monster we handed the cd to our friends so they could get it too I have a giant alphabetical order list of CDs uh, for which CDs you can get from uh, 
which artist david bowie has like uh probably a half dozen to a dozen entries sound and vision one two three and plus i'm afraid of americans ziggy stardust earthling in the city earthling hours blue oyster cult has even more than david bowie if you'll believe it but the thing was is it's all based on the data yeah from the cd so like you could totally burn a cd and pop it in there and it would uh it would read it perfectly sure yeah it was it was benatar yeah like like i said but but the thing is is you could put in another cd and there's a random chance that you would get the same thing but there was one like those were the ones people know yeah you absolutely had 100 percent factual evidence of it yeah like someone did it and someone else verified it and yeah yeah, lists were made and just kind of funny things and it's like oh hey i have that cd and go scan it like no you just fucking put in every goddamn cd you owned and everything your family owned yep might as well right everything your friends owned and just like i just borrow this deck of cds why shut up (laughs) why shut up that's why (laughs) like don't worry about it i'm gonna make monsters with it (laughs) not even gonna listen to them dude just gonna just want to i I don't want the music i just want what's on them yeah just want to just want to figure out what kind of monster this is gonna make yep it's a a fun little game yeah Um, all right i suspect this might be the one you have issue with Nope. Maybe. No. Okay. Then I. It's one of the next two after this one. Then. Correct. Okay. <laughs> I have no issue with this one at all. This one's awesome. So this one is the perennial Parappa the Rappa, one of the most famous games I think ever came out on PlayStation because of the original demo disc that came with the PlayStation that mm-hmm. had the Master Onion song on it. Kick punch. It's all in the mind, son. Yeah, sort of figured. Yeah. So I don't know. It was. It was just a fun game. A little. It was a. A rhythm game that did not require a crazy custom rhythm controller. Yeah, actually, I, I never, I actually never played this one myself. I remember watching my friends play it. I remember enjoying watching what they were playing, and I know that there's a, a, a surprisingly okay story behind it too. Yeah, uh, I actually own the soundtrack to this game, which is kind of funny. I own the OST, and it is fan fucking tastic. Moving along. Well, it because it's funny because it's the OST is like this is not moving along exactly like if you played the song 100 perfect that is this what. is exactly the opposite of moving along <laughs> well we're, we'd be moving along to a game you have issue with i know but yeah because the game sucks and parappa does have a sequel yeah called um jammer lammy which is also really funny and you can actually do guitar solos in if you do well enough on the songs which is kind of funny Weird. yeah one of my college roommates loved those two games and played them like on a weekly basis so sure it's fun stuff Anyway, so the yeah. one Paul has issue with is uh, Parasite Eve. It's awful. It's just bad. It's I bad had game. fun with it. I thought it was good. Mm-hmm. I did I, not like I, the sequel. I tried to play it. Uh, I, I I remember having okay memories of it. I tried to go back yeah. and play it and thought it was a very bad game. Yeah. In retrospect, it probably is. Like if you go back and play some of these, some of these are going to be terrible games. Sure. At the time, they were fantastic, though. Because we had these, we didn't know any better. Yeah. Well, now, and we've also had what, ninety-seven. We've had more than twenty. Twenty years, years now. Yeah. Of advancements. Final Fantasy Tactics aged super well. Yeah. It's also been you know revised and bug fixed. So fucking only bad. revised. I don't know honestly because the the War of the Lion version came out of the PSP and. I know that there is a 1.03 edition 
that came out by a bunch of uh, ROM hackers. Mm-hmm. Wasn't there that made it basically made it super hard? What Final Fantasy Tactics A2 or whatever the hell it's called? Oh no, no, those two are those are Final Fantasy Tactics Advance and A2 are completely separate series that have nothing to do with the War of the Line. This okay. this is actually my favorite for a reason because it was actually a very serious game. The other two are kind of like cornball fantasy where your character is sucked into the world of Evil East as opposed to you just existing already within the world of Evil East yeah. and actually having a serious story. I don't like the other two because of that cheese cornballish nature. They have okay stories. They're mechanically sound. They're fun to play games, but the story is where it falls short for me. Okay. But Parasite Eve, I think, was it was Square trying to do something cool in sci-fi and kind of modern instead of their more fantastical stuff. Yeah. And it, it's almost borders on survival horror at times. It tries to be. And it just it had this really weird, unique story. And then, I don't know, the second game fell flat for me, but I enjoyed the first Parasite Eve game. I thought it was something new. It was something really interesting. It was definitely fresh at the time. And then, yeah, it may not hold up well. It sure did. It apparently did not for Paul. It really did. I'm sure a lot of these games, if I went back and tried them, would not hold up very well. Yeah. Yeah. So the next game is an interesting one because it is actually a... Long-running series. Well... It's had a few games because it's kind of quasi yeah. based on a movie, but not. But kind of that was book, that was a movie not. property. No, I don't think Spider Man. No? I don't not yet, not yet, because mm. they had a game right. Spider Man the movie. That's fair. The game, which is kind of funny. <laughs> I'm pretty sure Yahtzee has made fun of that at some point. Oh, consistently. Um, but you I'm know, sure he still is, makes fun of it. This is a very specific entry in the Spider-Man series that is Spider-Man 2. and It was best on the GameCube. Yes. So one of the things with Spider-Man 2 that people really loved was the web-slinging mechanics. It was delightful. And it's considered kind of like the height of, of that franchise. Is like the web stuff felt most awesome in this game. Absolutely. Which is funny because that actually spawned a Kickstarter by the guy who actually created the system for the web slinging. That's awesome. So there's a game you can find on Steam called Energy Hook, where literally this dude made a game that is nothing but flying around in a city with this crazy energy hook. And uh, you have, like, think a rocket jetpack too, and you can just run around and do stunts and crazy shit. And, like, that's the whole point of the game. There's no crime fighting. There's no doing anything else. You just you fly around and swing around hmm. like a crazy man because you can. I almost feel like that that kind of detracts from it because I I feel like the the crime fighting web slinging only added to the experience. The web slinging mechanic was fantastic, but the rest yeah. of it added to that experience. It made for a really good game. But Energy Hook is actually a lot of fun. Okay, you have to trust me on that one. Maybe All look right. it up. One last one that we absolutely both 100% agree on. Yay! So this one is the Tony Hawk games. They're almost they're so good. timeless at this point. I mean, they've been run into the ground a little bit, but they're, at the very least, they're ubiquitous. Like yeah. everybody knows them. Everybody knows Tony Hawk because of these games, not mm-hmm. just because he was a fantastic skateboarder. He In was fact, and think, still is. I think a couple of years ago, maybe 2015, the Tony Hawk HD remake was the one of the best-selling games on Steam for the entire calendar year of 2015. Yes. Like 
Yeah, like it wasn't that long ago that they did the HD remake and people love it still. Like it is the old school games that people love with the ridiculous chaining 30 million point combos and shit. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lots of fond memories here. of just goofing off with the game. Yeah, I can I can get behind that. Okay, so we just finished talking about uh, Tony Hawk's Pro Skater. We just finished talking about all the fucking great games that we had growing up. And I want to talk about some of the best-selling games. Yeah. So this is a little bit that we do, which is kind of interesting to take a look at what the best-selling games are and kind of what their numbers were for each little console. Uh, And we already mentioned that they, you know, there were 7,918 games made for the fucking PlayStation, which is holy shitballs. That's a lot of of games. I think they let their quality standards a little bit lax. Yeah. But at the same time, like, if they they don't care they're just selling licenses like it's true they they made a shitload of money off of each one of those games so but yeah so the number one best-selling game is actually kind of a surprise to me like i was not expecting this i wasn't either that's pretty surprising also didn't expect how little it sold yeah when you consider how many games that are on the playstation and the sheer magnitude of consoles like how many consoles were there there had to be north of a few uh there There had to be way north of this there were more than 100 million consoles. And, I mean, that's very few. Yeah, but that means 10% of... So, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about this. Okay, the, the best-selling game in the history of the PlayStation was Gran Turismo, which makes a lot of sense. It's a super popular franchise. And the original Gran Turismo game sold 10.85 million copies, which means roughly... 10% of the people who owned a original PlayStation owned a copy of Gran Turismo. It's not that much. That's not many people who owned a copy. No. When you consider the sheer amount of consoles. To put it in perspective, the NES sold like 62 million units of the at the NES and like 40 million people bought copies of like Super Mario Brothers, mostly because it came with the system, but Yeah. Like, but it sold 40 million copies. That's 60% of the people who owned a nintendo owned a copy of mario brothers and and regardless of bundling with a console that's still a lot of copies that uh, did not get bundled with a console it still got sold yeah number two is honestly not at all surprised i actually expected this to be much higher and that was uh final fantasy 7 sold 10 million copies which is a substantial number kinda in perspective it still seems super low with the amount of hype that Final Fantasy VII gets and the number of people that are fanatical about it, like you can't not hear about this game. Yeah. Still today, people were the best RPGs ever made and like 10 million units. That's it. And not just that, but there's also this fever pitch of nerd frenzy going on for the remake of Final Fantasy VII. And honestly, I can almost guarantee that it's going to be a disappointment because people are so excited about it that it's never going to live up to that hype. Um, It depends. If they don't change anything on it, if they are just like slapping a new coat of paint on it, so to speak. They've um, already said they're changing the battle system at the very least. But so here, here's a thing which is weird. Um, by So this is from Final Fantasy VII's Wikipedia page. They, they claim that by 2015, the game had sold more than 11 million copies worldwide across all platforms, making it the best-selling Final Fantasy title. 
Okay. That makes sense, considering that they did do a re-release for PC. They did also do the the greatest hits releases that came right. out that for the PlayStation. They did mm-hmm. a re-release on the PlayStation Network that came out. Yeah. So, but that means ten million of those eleven million were on the PS One. So that means yeah. they sold a million copies on every platform that's not the PS One put together. <sighs> that doesn't. That seems really low. Yeah, like that. That's what I'm saying. Like these numbers seem really weird. Like when I think of Final Fantasy being a hugely successful game, I don't think 11 million copies. No, you think 50, 60 million. Yeah, especially with like Call of Duties and games like that, and the number of you got to think. At one point in time, more people played Final Fantasy, or played uh, sorry, more people played World of Warcraft at one time than. People, all of the copies put together. All of the copies of Final Fantasy VII ever sold. Yeah, that is insane. I, th- I think World of Warcraft's numbers were up to what sixteen million? Yeah, either fifteen or sixteen million at the height of World of Warcraft during Wrath of the Lich King. That is crazy. Yeah, I mean, tell Pokemon Go crested that. Yes, Pokemon Go annihilated that number. Yeah, and, and that's just—it's <laughs> baffling to think about. It is. It's just utterly bananas. Yeah. Well, and and to think that the new Pokemon games have sold sun and moon. I think I've already sold more than 30 million copies. So that means I think so three times the number of copies that have ever been sold of final fantasy seven, which is just a really bizarre number. Like it doesn't seem like that's right. Like I, I just, I don't know. Like I, I have no idea. It also doesn't feel like final fantasy one would have sold less than that. It just doesn't. And I don't know why. Okay. As of November 16th, less than two weeks after it's released in the Americas, the game sold 3.7 million copies. Combined, I think, the entire... Let's see. the And that, that was less than two weeks after it. This, this, this is an old article. It's got to be way, way more at this mm-hmm. point. That's crazy. Yeah, just like the numbers are so weird. And it's it just doesn't... It doesn't make sense to my brain because I think about them being more successful than that. And to think that, you know, like literally one call of duty game has outsold everything on this top like on the top five for the playstation one a single call of duty title has outsold it yeah uh, I, <laughs> like that's just mind-boggling to me like i don't under and i know there's more people gaming now and whatever but i i just i i can't wrap my head around the numbers like yeah, they're just it's, so it's it's so small it just doesn't seem like enough 10 million and that's that and that's the top chart yeah yeah and so number three on the list is gran turismo 2 which only sold 9.37 million copies and then following that was one of my favorites tekken 3 with 8.5 million which again seems really abysmally small it Um, does it does and then Number five, rounding out the top five, is Final Fantasy VIII with 8.15 million copies, which I can believe because I didn't buy Final Fantasy VIII. Like, I had no desire to play Final Fantasy VIII. I bought it. No lie. This this one struck me as interesting. I put five or six and seven on the list because they were tied, which is just kind of to round out other than Final Fantasy and Gran Turismo games. Mm -hmm. Like, you had a tie between Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone, which was actually a surprisingly good action game. And Tomb Raider 2 each sold 8 million copies. 
which means Tomb Raider 2 sold better than the original Tomb Raider, which is kind of funny because usually that doesn't happen. Like sequels yeah. usually, yeah, sequels usually go down. But yeah, so that, hmm. that's the, the top six. So couldn't even break 11 million out of 100 million consoles. And granted, I mean, there's a huge library to choose from. So yeah. but it but still cream, doesn't make much sense. The crop were the cream of the crop. Like yeah. I mean, they definitely rose up and like you know you you heard about all the really good games like people everyone Absolutely. heard of final fantasy 7 and knew it was like this amazing game to play but 10 million i don't I, uh it's so weird i don't know I, I, all i got is a shrug for you yeah i don't know so yeah the numbers on the system are are just crazy just the sheer number of games number of consoles sold and then the number of games people bought that you would expect them to buy like i don't what the fuck are people buying if you yeah. know only 10 percent of you are buying <laughs> like <laughs> okay 100 million consoles you'd expect the best-selling games to be 40 million yeah but like so that makes you wonder what the fuck is the threshold for becoming your greatest hits and getting your price reduced to 20 bucks i i don't know um but i think we actually can find the criteria when Sony introduced the program for PlayStation in 1997, games could become greatest hit titles after selling at least 150,000 copies and being on the market for at least a year. That minimum, seems low. Minimum sales re required eventually rose to $250,000. Or 250,000 units. And eventually for the PlayStation 2, greatest is 400,000. That seems low. It does. Yeah. I mean... One, how much was the budget for each game required? Where's the break-even number? I don't know. That's 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 what I'm curious about. Two, how far above the break-even number is 150,000 copies? If it is at all even above a break-even number. Because I know that Final Fantasy VII was expensive to create. It had to have been. Yeah. Just just for the sheer budget numbers they, alone. They had to like completely remake the game at one point in time because they were yeah. originally making it for the Nintendo 64 and it was going to be a sequel to Final Fantasy VI and then they scrapped everything and started over. Oh, oh, hang on. Actually, uh, Final Fantasy VII is third on the most expensive games to make. And development cost was $45 million yeah. in U.S. The marketing cost is $100 million. The total cost with inflation as of this year was $216 million. Yeah. Can you guess the other two in the top three? I'm going to bet one of them is Star Wars The Old Republic. That is number four. Because that alone, like, that is the most expensive MMO ever made. Like, yep, it is, that is, that is number thing. four hundreds of millions of dollars making that game and number five it's our favorite game ever i'm joking when i say it's our favorite game ever it's star citizen is number five uh, the top two are grand theft auto 5 with oh let's see here 272 million with inflation and call of duty modern warfare 2 hits the number one spot with 279 million and that's all because of marketing budget because the marketing budget was 200 million dollars the wow the, okay the actual development cost star wars would have blown all all of these away with 200 million dollars yeah like the marketing <laughs> i'm sorry the, the development cost 200 million the marketing cost was only 11 million bucks yeah like star wars hasn't done a ton of advertising but the Inverse. actual cost of the game yeah huge 
insane. But inverse of that is Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2 with $200 million of marketing cost and $50 million of development cost. So we know they didn't all sell at $60 a pop because of the greatest hits that came out for them. They couldn't uh, have. But if they sold all 10 million copies at $60, that would have been $600 million. Yeah, so they, so they would have. They broke even on that game, like way. They, they had to have because well, because the, with the greatest hits, let's say even half of those, three hundred million dollars. Anyway, so those are the most expensive, expensive, the best selling games, and we're still baffled as to how low the numbers are. But what about a game that you just absolutely one hundred percent wanted to be amazing? You bought it, you took it home, you were so excited, you ripped off the cellophane, popped open that CD case, ripped off that stupid dog bone sticker, slapped that in your PlayStation, and everything just kind of shit the bed. Okay, for me, there was a really awesome TV show back in the day called Digimon. And they are the champions. It's fucking great. I still love that show. It's so fucking cool. Like just the weird watercolor backgrounds and like I enjoy it. It it looks so great. I can't wait. I can't wait for my daughter to be old enough to appreciate Digimon. We're totally gonna watch. I hope she does. Yeah, I hope she does. Eventually, they made this game called Digimon World, and the idea was it's it's kind of a Digimon RPG, and you get paired up with uh, Agumon, I think, or uh, Garurumon, something like that, at the very beginning. It's the two of the starters, for lack yeah. of a better term, that the kids got in the game, in the uh, in the show. But they, yeah, it was just terrible. Like, it was just a really bad RPG. I'm I sorry. wish I wanted it to be so good and awesome because it's like, fuck yeah, Digimon RPG. And no, it was, it made me sad. Yeah, it's a shame. Honorable mention for me is totally Resident Evil because that game was shit. We can disagree with this all day or we can move on to the game that I wanted to be amazing that just fell flat, which is what we're going to (laughs) do. Okay. Picture this. Young Paul sitting in his jeans and a t-shirt playing one of the best RPGs of all time, Chrono Trigger. Just really, it's just the story he's got. It's got me. I'm sitting there. I'm like, oh, this is awesome. Cut to... Seven years later, you see this really cool jewel case sitting on the shelf. It's a dual jewel case because it's got two discs on it. I look up at it. It says Chrono Cross. Pick it up. It's a sequel to Chrono Trigger? Oh, my God. This is going to be amazing. How could you go wrong when you made such an amazing original game? Wait. You mean none of the other characters are back? What kind of fighting system is this? What have you done to my treasured RPG? This game was shit. I will always contest this game was just not fun. The fighting system was trash. The story was not great. It just felt clunky, and it was in the infancy of that 3D shit that just came around. It just... No, thank you. Pass. Hardest of passes. I don't know. I just... I I wanted Chrono Cross to be good, and it just wasn't. I, I feel you. If it makes you feel any better, they... uh I don't think they broke 1.5 million units on it. Not really. I wanted a good game. Eight eight hundred and fifty units in Japan and six hundred and fifty million units or six hundred and fifty thousand units abroad. So yeah. yeah, I wanted a good sequel to Chrono Trigger and I just didn't get it. Anyway, 
on to the meat and potatoes of our general console retrospective casts. The fun this part. Is, yeah. The the ridiculousness. The system gimmicks. Yeah. Okay. So primary of the system gimmicks was actually something that was really good. Like this this actually was a very, very good gimmick. And that's the memory cards. Kind of prior to this console, you you saved on your game. Yeah. Like so they were all cartridges. So yeah, they, the and, built into it. If the battery died, you were fucked. You know, exactly. Know. But Sony had these little memory cards that you would slot into the system because they use CDs. Mm -hmm. How do you save games with a CD? And so you had these little memory cards that you could pop in and like take to a friend's house and pop in and load your save game from a friend's house. It was pretty fucking awesome. And then eventually they had these really awesome things that were like multiple memory cards built into one and you yeah. like just press a button on them to page through all your memory cards because they were ridiculously small and there were games that took an entire memory card yeah uh diablo was one of them i believe yeah, yeah they made a diablo port for uh, playstation one yes and i'm pretty sure uh monster rancher took up an entire one because it's, you know it's on my shelf over there yep. <laughs> all right and actually now that you mentioned that, that the multiple pages of memory cards, uh, they also had the Pocket Station, which is a strange kind of hybrid PDA slash memory card for the PlayStation 1. Not only would it save your games, but it also could enhance them. Uh, for example, gives you like kind of mini games for the Pocket Station, like playable only on the Pocket Station. So is this a precursor to the weird little Dreamcast VMU thing? I actually think the Dreamcast thing came out first, but... No. Because Dreamcast no? came out right before the PlayStation Two. Okay, maybe I, I don't know. I did. I don't have much. Uh, I don't have much with the Dreamcast. I'm oh, sorry. No. However, uh, like for example, with the, with the enhancements, like the PC version of Final Fantasy VIII had Chocobo World, which or Chocobo World, whatever how you pronounce it. Uh, I don't give a fuck. It, it was a mini game as part of the installation, but it was playable only on the Pocket Station. So you had something you could just take with you, like a. a small Game Boy type thing. Kind of cool, but also kind of weird. Yeah, so the VMU for the Dreamcast was its memory card. Okay. And they, they had a little LCD screen built into them. Oh, um, okay. I actually and, remember seeing this. And they would ha they had like two little buttons and a D-pad on them. Yep, uh, I remember seeing bought, If you bought the standard ones from Sega. Okay. And, and they actually did sometimes have little mini games that would affect your main game. If gotcha. You, like when you plugged them back in later. Yeah, it makes sense. It was a, it was an interesting idea. Uh, most people didn't bother. Yeah. I mean, what they, I they still don't bother with tie-ins. Like you have mobile tie-in things like the apps for... Uh, I know Dying Light has an app, just to name one. I know that uh, Dead Rising 3 had an app. I tried using them both and they were, it's just a clunky interface. Didn't mesh very well. The only thing Dying Light did for you is get you like parts for you to upgrade your weapons, and Dead Rising 3 allowed you to basically use the map on your phone. Kind of a neat thing, but I'm not going to be picking up my phone to look at my map when I can just open it up on the screen. So the next one that I think is kind of funny that I want to talk about is the PlayStation Mouse. I and forgot this was a thing. Yeah, and it's kind of funny because it reminds me kind of of Mario Paint. Which you yeah. know is the only other yeah. mouse that I can you know think of that came out for a console basically. I mean, you can still plug mice into your consoles now, but 
shrug. Uh, but it was a ball mouse, so it's it's that old, like not a laser <laughs> mouse, not, no optics. A ball mouse that plugged into a controller port and was supported by like 50-ish games. The there's There were some FPS games that supported it, such as Doom and Quake 2. And, and, did... Wait, wait. And there were RTS games that supported it, like Red Alert and Dune 2000. <laughs> Which is fine, but how do you... How do you control it otherwise like with doom like how was how was your movement i assume that with doom you use the d-pad on one controller and the mouse on the other one i i have no idea seems super clunky anyway yeah and then there were uh lots of like adventure games that used it too like there's a, a handful of broken sword games that came out on the system and then all three Discworld adventure games came out on the playstation like what the hell two lemmings games three lemmings games sorry and it's funny like i I look at this list and it cracks me up because like i didn't realize half these games came out on the playstation one yeah it's like your uh area 51 your favorite game supports the mouse like i i knew that uh doom and quake came out because i had final doom and i had quake 2 both of them on on playstation the rest of them no clue like the, the ones you mentioned, like Doom Red Alert. I didn't even realize that they'd come out. Yep. Command and Conquer Red Alert and Command and Conquer Red Alert Retaliation both came out on uh, the the original PlayStation. And then Dune 2000, which is also an RTS. It's a remake of Dune 2. All right. Um, Why not? Also came out on it. Mist supported it. Like I said, three, three Lemmings games supported it because it's Lemmings. Yeah. Uh, Railroad Tycoon 2 supported it. Both Mist and Riven supported it. I guess. Oh, it cracks me up. Uh, yeah. XCOM, the original XCOM came out. Yep. And uh, XCOM Terrors of the Deep both supported it. So it's oh, like nice. just this weird thing. Like, what the hell? There was a mouse, and like, again, 50 of the 8,000 games supported the mouse. I'm just, just I'm gonna say that. Like, it, yeah, it's, so... it's we can't stress that enough. So few of them came out that they still manufactured and made a mouse for them. Well, they manufactured and made the mouse, and these games chose to support it. It's crazy. Anyway, on to the next one, which is this. This one kind of interested me because I'm looking at a picture of it right now, and it just looks ridiculous. Is it the analog stick? Uh, yes. <laughs> yeah. So this thing is weird. Like. It's called a twin analog stick. Like mm-hmm. it, it has two joysticks on it, and a whole shit ton of buttons on both joysticks, mm-hmm. and like mm-hmm. a hat on each one, I think, or maybe a D pad on one and a hat on the other. Yep. I don't remember. It's um, it's got a, it's got a hat on one and just a couple of buttons on the other one. Yeah, but it's so weird because apparently it looks so much like a flight stick. Like it looks like two flight sticks, which it does. Mm-hmm. But people thought it was a flight stick. <laughs> Which it isn't. and it, At least it wasn't I, intended to be. Yeah. And again, it supported about 30 games. Only 30? Like, what yeah, the, around 30. Like, why bother? At that point, just why the fuck bother? <sighs> Analog joystick. Oh, it has a bunch of buttons in the middle. Like, all yeah. of the PlayStation yeah. buttons are just in the middle. It, it looks um, like it could have been a, an attempt at a fight stick, but there's already a fight stick out. So... Some of the stuff that supported it, Mech Warrior Two, is you know makes the most sense. Yeah, it does. 
Absolutely. A, a Formula One racing game supports it, which is weird. I can't, uh, I can't imagine using a stick to race. Yeah. Descent and Descent 2 both supported it. Those both make sense. Yeah. And then a bunch of flight sims supported it. Gee, I wonder why. And then, like, the Atari collection, which included, like, Paperboy and Marble Madness. Because, you know, that makes sense for an analog joystick missile command kind of makes sense sure sure and if you guys want to check out any of these uh, ridiculous controllers um i've got a giant list at the pxdatacenter.com i'm going to include we're going to include that in the show notes i'll send it over to dance you can and and wing commander 4 supported it again gee i wonder why yeah and then apparently two playstation 2 games supported it which is kind of funny that is interesting though anyway on to the next one which is another one that you put in here. Yeah. So it's called the Glastron, and it is a head-mounted LCD display with headphones. <laughs> so, like, picture the Oculus Rift, but it doesn't have any kind of head tracking or VR thing. You just, you're wearing a monitor on your head. It, this is what inspired Google Glass, I'll bet. Had built-in headphones. No, no. It it. If you know, it's a joke. Like, it is a literal monitor for your face. You should look it up. It looks hilarious. I'm sure it's in here. Anyway, there was an interesting development for the modern fishing game when you when the PlayStation first came out, and it is the hanging fishing controller, and it is exactly what it sounds like. It is a literal fucking fishing rod. It's a PlayStation controller specifically geared for fishing games, and I cannot imagine that it sold very well or that it actually had much support. Oh, it probably did, which is funny. You think so? (laughs) If Final Fantasy VII only sold 10 million units, yes, I think so. (laughs) I guess. Oh, I don't know. So... This one kind of makes me laugh a little bit. Uh, and it, it's a theme with all consoles, I think, up until this point, really. There's the gun controller developed by Namco. Yeah. And originally, they start they used the classic light gun, the you know reflective one like everyone else used. But then they eventually started using LED tracking, which is kind of cooler. Mm-hmm. Also, only supported about a dozen games. Of course. And... The reason I, th- I think this is funny and kind of topical is because the name for it was GunCon, which yep. totally reminds me of the uh, Nintendo Switch controller, which is now called a Joy-Con, which makes uh-huh. me laugh ridiculously every time I uh, see it or hear it. You've I can't, also take, it. can't take that controller seriously. I can't um, either. But yeah, so you, I, you're about to talk about this. Yeah, which... you've also got another note in here that just kind of, <laughs> what? So... Namco eventually evolved the Joy-Con in, I think it was 2007, maybe, into an iOS app. So you could turn your iPhone or iPod Touch into a light gun to use with iPad games. Hmm. That's interesting. And I'm willing to bet you can guess how well this control scheme caught on. Seeing as you've never heard about it. Yeah. Um, I can't I can't imagine that it caught on very well at all. I mean, it's an interesting idea. I mean, it supposes that you own an iPod Touch and or an iPhone and also an iPad to play these 
Yeah. 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 So have the controller app to pew, 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 pew. I, I wouldn't put it past some Apple fanatics to have all of those things, but I cannot imagine that they would combine all of those things together to create a, a gun game for themselves. I've never even heard of a game supporting this. That doesn't surprise me. Because it just doesn't. Even from Namco itself? Why would you do that when you have games where you just tap on the people to shoot them? I like, don't know. Like, that's what are you asking the, me for? I didn't design it. I mean, that's that's the thing. It's just like, that's how these games work. Like Someone pops up and instead of using a light gun, you just tap on them to shoot I get them. It. Like, no, I'm with you. I'm 100% with you. I'm on the same page. I, I, I agree. It's stupid. I, I don't job, know. Namco. I, I, so I, weird. I'm thinking it was Namco a, did a couple of things on a couple of weird controllers. Yeah, yeah, we've got a couple other ones. Uh, in fact, we can talk about it right now. But I'm thinking that in that case, it was just a matter of they were so wrapped up in whether or not they could, they didn't bother to think about whether or not they should. In in the military, there is a thing referred to as the good idea fairy. <laughs> Okay. So whoever developed that iOS app like totally got a visit from the Good Idea Fairy. We're like, oh, this is awesome. We should totally do this. And then like, it's just no. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, uh, Namco appears one more time on this list with with the Nijikon, and it is just plain weird. It splits the controller into two halves and puts them on a swivel joint. In this case, you can literally twist the controller back and forth independent of each other. So the left half can twist and then the right half can twist. And it's twisted relative to each other and the twisting motion is registered as a digital command. So it didn't have analog sticks. So in this case, the analog motion was registered by the twisting of the controller halves. Uh, It was supposed to be a racing game controller, but I can't imagine it was very successful because it remove the shoulder buttons like the r2 and r and l2 gone it's only r1 and l1 the uh, the triangle and circle buttons are replaced with a and b buttons for some reason and the uh the x and box are both the x and square are both uh kind of uh digital and that you can as more pressure puts on it it registers more etc like the triggers they have now uh, on mm-hmm. the new consoles I can't imagine this was very successful because one, it just looks bizarre. Yeah. Two, I can't imagine doing this twisty twist and actually being successful at a racing game. I, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it was really a I cool mean, idea and just I, worked very I well. Can, but I can see where the idea possibly comes from. Like that, I, it seems like you could do like kind of fine steering pretty well with it. Like, yeah, do maybe, more depending more on how rough, successful. More yeah. rough steering, you know, swerving. And mm-hmm. then, like, kind of just like fine tuning by twisting might work really well. Maybe. Um, I can see it working for like kind of a, a mech style game or a tank game where you're piloting with the D pad and then you know rotating a turret with the twisting, maybe. But yeah, it, it doesn't. It, it's not a great control scheme. Like, but I can I can see where it might. I can see why they had the idea. But yeah, but the also thing to be fair. The original PlayStation controllers did not have analog pads. Like those came later. Yeah. And then vibrating came after that. Like yep. it, it was a weird progression of things, the uh force feedback stuff. It was pretty cool. But, I mean, I, I liked I liked watching the evolution because that did come on the PlayStation One. It just didn't come until maybe halfway or three quarters of the way through its life cycle. Yeah. Cause I know the 
PS1, which was the smaller, crazy, t- super tiny, ridiculously cute version of the PlayStation. Like it came with a, uh, I don't know if they were DualShock, but they had the, I think they the vibrated sticks, yeah. and they had the dual analog sticks. Yeah. And, and it, it was the, the second or third generation PlayStation, PlayStation 1, I think. And uh, the equivalent of the PlayStation Slim or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Really cool thing that I loved about uh, this, uh, about PlayStation it introduced the multi-tap. Mm-hmm. And, and granted, yes, there was a multi-tap back in, in Super Nintendo and even regular Nintendo era. This one did it right. Okay. It had four it had four controller slots on it, four different memory card slots, and you could plug two of them in, play with eight people. Okay. Super party games. This was a great invention that Sony did. First party developed by Sony. Really cool. Two thumbs up. I could not be more pleased with that one. Um, how many games did that one support? I you know I I don't offhand. I really don't. I'm just curious. Okay, at least a somewhat decent list. Pretty good list here, actually. There's uh, about five games that were one to three player. Yeah, including including Rampage, which if you know anything about Rampage, it's a three player arcade game. Yep. Four player had a bunch, including a bunch of NBA Jam games. It was the bulk of the uh, the. Yeah. The supported uh one to five players for some reason was only about three of them and one to eight players was an actually a decent amount oh god i forgot about professional underground league of pain (laughs) (laughs) oh my god i forgot about that game what is it i don't i think it's a fighting game like i have it sounds like a wrestling game actually (laughs) Uh, but yeah, the the ones that supported it primarily were Madden NFL '99, NHL 2000, where you could play up to eight players, uh, Monopoly for some inexplicable reason, Micro Machines and Micro, I'm sorry, Micro Maniacs and Micro Machines version three, and another game called Street Racer were the ones that could uh, could uh, have eight player support. Okay, so Professional Underground League of Pain is a really bad sports game. Okay, it's not a wrestling game. No, it's not a wrestling game. That is misleading. <laughs> um, yeah it, the reason i think my brother and i rented it once was because it reminded us of bill Ambier's combat basketball <laughs> okay yeah I can, I can get behind that <laughs> so it just looked like it was gonna be this ridiculous sports game where you like run around and smash people and do all kinds of craziness yeah and uh no it was just terrible yeah anyway the multi-tap two <laughs> thumbs up really great idea didn't get as much support as it as it probably could have, but it's a really cool idea. Holy shit! Madden '99 supported eight players. It sure did. It sure did. So did NHL 2000. That's ridiculousness. And Monopoly. Shrug. I mean, why not just pass the fucking controller back and forth? Whatever. Anyway. Is this why you don't need to? Damn it. Do you remember Mad Cats? Yeah, they still exist. Why? I think they have shit. Shit shit items and this was no different the mad cats steer- made a racing wheel they made a racing wheel for the playstation yeah mad cats it's guaranteed to suck it did they've actually gotten a lot better i find that really hard to believe but granted my information is dated yeah. back to the PlayStation. yes <laughs> but most people they have that memory you know the triton headsets that they make for consoles like really really expensive wireless headphones i honestly don't Okay, I think I'm sure our them. listeners do. Yeah, they they own Triton. Okay, like, Tri- Triton headsets are a Mad Cat's product. 
Okay. Uh, uh, but they, they make some keyboards. They make some, some actually really from. good gaming mice. A couple of flight sticks. Yeah, I I can't trust the Mad Cat's name. I'm sorry. I, even now, even if they, even with you telling me, and I 100% believe that they probably do make good stuff now. No, thank you. I have had way too many bad experiences with Mad Cat stuff that I would never buy from them again. Oh, I don't, I don't blame you at all. Like most people have that opinion of them, but they're, they have greatly improved. We did talk about the PlayStation analog stick, that twin stick, uh, that twin flight stick. That was not a flight stick. There were also numerous flight sticks made that were actually were flight sticks. Lots of companies made a bunch of flight sticks that came out. uh, Just all kinds of stuff that honestly were pretty much inferior to the PlayStation analog stick that was not meant to be a flight stick, but turned out to be a flight stick. Shrug. I don't know. I, I, I kind of feel bad for it because they originally had designed it for a different purpose, but ended up being the best flight stick on the market. Yeah. Who knows? And you got one more on here that was really, that really interested me, but I, I don't remember these. So yeah. Okay. So, me. so I had, I had the original PlayStation and then eventually I also got a PS one. Um, sure. And I have been having a hard time trying to track down a picture of this. No. Okay. I do remember these. So, so there's they, a whole bunch of people made these once the PlayStation one came out mm-hmm. um, and they were little LCD screens and you would basically hook them up to the back and they would screw in and mm-hmm. it, it hooked into the power plug and the eight, like the weird audio video out because it wasn't like your standard plugs that you plug into the back of your TV yeah. anymore. It was a, 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 like a dongle that you plugged in and then you plug in somewhere else. And it, the screen had like little speakers into it and you could fold it down over top of it and it made it like this little clamshell kind of almost like laptop. Almost like thing. a laptop, yeah. yeah. And, and, and you would just take it somewhere and you could just, you plug it in and it powers both the screen and the PlayStation 1 and you just have this little portable screen and they were fan-fucking-tastic. I loved mine. Like every time we took a family trip for a while, I, uh, I brought one with me. Like I yeah. just... I, took my playstation i also remember a couple of them actually including really heavy duty batteries too so you could play it on the road yeah they probably had a couple of those i can't imagine how fast that shit would eat through a battery oh god i can't hour at most and that's that's a really really high estimate yeah all right i mean just thinking about how much the uh like Game Gear eight through battery. <laughs> <laughs> Not just the Game Gear, the Sega Nomad. Yeah. I had one of those when I was a kid. It got stolen, uh, and that thing, even with the battery pack that you could buy and recharge, the rechargeable battery pack, not like not like the AA batteries, which ate through one of the, those in like three hours. The battery pack itself lasted maybe six, which was actually pretty good. But at the same time, not not that great if you're trying to play and beat a game for Sega. Yeah, yeah. We'll we'll definitely include a picture of this one because it is really cool. Honestly, it's a really, it's a really cool idea, if, especially for kids. Like I was, you know, I don't know, teenager when the, when I had this, but yeah, it was worth every freaking penny of the like, maybe $150 it was. 
Absolutely. It also uh, gave birth to a lot of modders for modding console systems. Because I've seen Xboxes with basically put into a briefcase and made mm-hmm. into a laptop. I've seen Xbox Ones do that, 360s, all, all manner of PlayStations. And I've even seen a Wii do that. And I've seen lots of modders do that. It's an amazing skill. I wish I had it. I just don't have the time to develop it. Yep. All right. That is the list of all kinds of stuff that we could think oh, of. And I'm that sure is that's, a ton more. Oh yeah, yeah. That, that's that's maybe a, a top twelve or so that we could <laughs> pull out of here. The weird, the fun, the great. Like I would totally have that little LCD monitor rather than a Glastron. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. If you guys got any more that you can suggest to us that we can talk about on the next cast, feel free to email us at podcast at com. Really, just just reach out. It is really cool. You anything else before we do our cleanup? No, I I think we are good. It is good to do this. Uh, next episode is Game Corner with pokemon uranium which we're both need to play a lot more of we're both slogging through it slowly yeah, it, it is an rpg of the, yes. of the old school sort so it, yeah, it, we're, we're talking 40 50 hours it, it punches you in the face we are probably not going to finish but we will get as far as we can i can guarantee i'm not going to finish but i will get as far as i can without breaking my microsoft surface yes all right so if you want to contact us, you can contact us at podcast at loadedcartgaming.com. You can contact me at Paul Cluel on Twitter. You can contact Dan over at Loaded Card on Twitter. If you want to find us on social media, all of the links are in the show notes. And if you love us, please consider a review on iTunes, Stitcher, or whatever you're listening to. I'm sure we're there. And if you want, uh, we appreciate any sort of donations that you want to give us. So you want to start us up as in a limited liability company, check out our Patreon. Uh, it's over at patreon.com slash gaming. Again, we thank all of our donors that are doing donating right now. That is Drew and Mike H and also Tadpog. We love all of you. Thank you so much. Yes. No, yeah, I think we're good. Yeah. You guys have a good one and uh, we will talk to you again soon. Yeah. We'll see you guys later for Pokemon Uranium. And now, here's some smooth jazz to play you out. Can't go away. <laughs> I think you're ready. I think you should do it. Okay. She wants my apple pie moonshine. Who doesn't want your apple pie moonshine? Me. You don't want your apple pie moonshine? Not 100% sure on this one. I think you should go for it. You ready? I didn't realize we were live. <laughs> That's the best part. (laughs) It's a stinger, isn't it? Oh, pretty much. So, uh, how about that apple pie moonshine? (laughs) (laughs) Just stop fucking around, cat. Five fucking minutes.
Nope. 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 So, Paul, on a scale of one to ten, what rating do you give Apple Pie <laughs> Moonshine? Cersei Lannister's a fetid twat. That's not a number. I don't care. <laughs> Apple Pie Moonshine, the official drink of Blood Bowl. <laughs> yeah, that is accurate. Phil, fuck Blood Bowl. <laughs> That's going to the fucking closing shit. That is our stinger. Phil, fuck Blood Bowl. Stinger. <laughs>